Well, it's the dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense. Trying to tangle with us, scoop up a big black booties in the back of the bus to smack you. You're stealing your lunch, money to search. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, separated by a couple of thousand kilometres and your bloody Sunday afternoon cock is... Uh, yeah, he, he's on mic. Yes, he's on he's mic. definitely... He knows how to get up in the microphone. I think, um, yes. I, I, I think, you know, having a boom mic in the yard was probably a bad move, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to audio engineer your, your side of the podcast. We come to you a little bit later this week, folks, and, and we didn't come to you at all last week because uh, we're old and we rest on back-to-backs. Um, so these new NBA uh, player participation uh, per, per whatever the other per is, uh, it's a PPP, this new scheme that the NBA is coming up to try and stop their star players from resting on back-to-backs and things like that and in, in games that are important to them. Oh, this is the Bulls podcast, by the way. Um, I'm Doc Eastbezer. Well, I think they had to come up with something – Simply to stop everyone going, well, fuck, all we've got is James Harden and Damian Lillard to talk about. Can you guys create us some content, please? I mean, it's also so they can – I mean, the optics are not good when – I mean, it it was all kind of started by the Spurs about 10 years ago when when, uh, they rested pretty much all their stars for a big TV game against Miami, which would have been a finals rematch. And it's been going downhill ever since. And these these kind of rules are being suggested as as being kind of the Kawhi Leonard rules. Um, the sort of participation prerequisites. Thanks very much, um, DJ Format and Nabs. Uh, but it's really aimed at, at, it's not really aimed at the players or the teams. It's really aimed at broadcasters and betting cunts so that they feel like they've got confidence that what yeah. the product that they're going to, that they're paying for is the product that they're actually going to sell. The Kawhi thing's really interesting in that there's a whole heap of chatter out that the Clippers aren't exactly unhappy with this rule, these rules, mm. that they would actually like. Maybe they're they're players that they're paying lots of money to play a little bit. Absolutely, more. They, they but, are, and they didn't feel uh, like they had the institutional fucking kahanes to actually uh, enforce this because they didn't want to piss them off. But if it's the league doing yeah. it, so they're actually the league's actually doing them a massive favour. But the league is, is made that. I mean, that that sentient fucking cotton bud commissioner um, Silver was that's made very strong statements about it being a, we are an eighty two game league was his was his direct quote and he also went on to bang on about some shit about phenylephrine doesn't work in your cold and flu meds so therefore you know the science that underpins rest might not also work either which seemed a pretty fucking ludicrous a long bow shall we uh, say the longest possible bow well you you are not going to like this but. Simmons nailed it in in two sentences this week with his chat with Howard Beck. He's like, unless you're going to make the season shorter so that the game, like it's hot, like a rest game is worth more of a percentage of the season, right? So if you drop a game because you're resting your players, that might actually impact a lot more whether you're going to make the finals. Where, you know, if you rest eight games out of a season – that's only ten percent of the season, right? It's it's really not. It's hard to really impact where you finish in the season with that with that many games. Like, there's enough back to backs and scheduled 
losses and things like that in there already that it's sort of statistically anomalous. Um, And then the second thing is that's never going to happen because it's not just the owners that don't want to give up the 82 games. The players get 50% of that revenue. Less games means less revenue, less less that they're going to get yeah. paid. They don't want to give that up. And, and, so and neither does your, not neither just, your it, cock. Um, it, <laughs> there's also the 65-game minimum for also, oh, sorry, um, All-NBA as well, which is sort of the – they have got yeah. kind of a carrot and stick approach here. But, I mean, Tom Haberstro and, and, and colleagues have – Constantly pushed for shortening the season, shorten the season, 72 games, 65 games, 58 games, I think was his, his key number. And it, it kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, how people who advocate for the four day working week can roll out as much fucking science and as much, you know, productivity information as they like, mm. but your employer isn't fucking here for it. So we're not going to have four day yeah. week. It doesn't matter how much fucking, you know, how much sense it makes. It's a bit like the, the universal basic income. The big end of town is not here for that. They don't want to hear about it. You know, it's, it's not just, you know, won't somebody think of the commercial real estate landlords. It's like they, they have built their business model on getting five days of productivity out of you. And, and the NBA's built their, their business model on getting 82 games worth of productivity out of the league. Uh, I do wonder though, like, you know, I, I, I think of, uh, some people perhaps in this house that's, that's institutes were very resistant on work from home and now are like, Sure, work from you know. If you're not driving, you're working. Sort of, sort of attitude. Uh, it, like we sort of think nothing will shift, and then things do shift. I'm not saying that that's actually going to happen. Well, it's but- a slightly different model because they're actually getting more productivity for free uh, in, the, yeah. in the working from home model, and they're saving money on space. Because I know um, you know various institutions and companies yeah, who work on that paying stupid money for. A- for yeah, they can they can start divesting themselves of, of some of their um their property leases, which have, which brings us back to you know won't somebody think of the commercial real estate cunts? Uh, and the answer is no, nobody will because mm. fuck them. It's funny. Yes. Maybe they could turn it over to cheap housing. Yeah, it does seem like a chicken and egg thing, right? You, you almost need the players to be getting paid so much money that uh, you know losing twenty games of revenue won't matter. But as we pointed out many, many times on the show before, it's not the guys that are earning ridiculous amounts of money that hold the voting power in the NBA. No. It's your middle class that holds the voting power. And they're not resting uh, on uh, and- in 82 games anyway. So, you know, this is kind of... No. Nah. Um, they, they, they want those 82 games, particularly given yeah. that, you know, the majority of teams don't go deep into the postseason. The, you know, there's lots of people who only yeah. get paid for the 82 yeah, that was that was the when they were talking about Buddy Heel this week. He's never played in the postseason. Well, uh, there he's are some reasons 29 for twenty nine or thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah I understand. Well, that, actually, but- the, the the reason he's so old is that he, he he was in college four years, so he didn't leave college until he was like twenty five. Yeah, well, I, I I knew we were I knew we were really deep in the off season when <laughs> when the low post devoted twenty minutes to talking about Buddy Heel. Like he's a great shooter and everything, but it's not exactly. Um, like I think everyone's ready for basketball to come back. Well, it's when Vivek was really big on Buddy Heald. You know, that was he was quite happy to trade Demarcus yeah, Cousins well, for was, Buddy Heald. That that was his, you know, we're gonna be the Warriors two vibe, wasn't it? He's that he, I think they're up to about two point six. They've tried many times to be the Warriors two point <laughs> Well, I thought I thought they would really have a crack at Draymond this this off season, actually. I thought that might be something that happened, but it didn't. Well, I think so. I think we we thought that 
Bob Myers moving on was the precursor to Draymond not making the offer, but they seem to be perfectly happy and in, in fact very keen to keep the band together, no matter how much you know how much it actually cost them in the long run. I can't remember. Did he get paid paid, or did he get paid on like a, a reasonable deal for what he's worth? I, I don't think it was. I don't think it was ludicrous. It was a bit like last time. He took a little bit, a little bit off the top, so that they could keep the band together. Uh, and I feel like they all are. Yeah. The, the tricky one will be Clay's money. Clay, yes, because Clay has not been productive. I mean, yeah, Clay doesn't even isn't even eligible for these uh, star rest provisions because he's been out of All Star and All NBA consideration for so long. Yeah, he's a fascinating one because he's still a really good player, but he's not a really good player versus what he's actually earning. No. Um, but there's probably one or two teams that might still play him like a like a really, really good player. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's that legacy versus, you know, do you go and have a few more really well-paid years or like how much is being, you know, I only ever played for the great Golden State Warrior teams, you know, I never did the Pippin thing of sort of bouncing around after the great teams. Never had that um, Tony Parker goes to Charlotte era. Yeah, like, is that worse? I, I think it is. I, I actually think it is, except the thing is that Clay never wants to have a media career or talk to anyone from the media ever again the minute he retires. Oh, he'll have a podcast, so, though. I mean, they all will. They all do, and his, his will be an interesting podcast. Yeah. They, they don't want to have a traditional um, media career. Having said that, his dad is- one of the uh, one of the Lakers lead guys on yeah. the, on their home broadcasts, and he's apparently excellent. I don't see a lot of him. I think he might do radio, but it's it's kind of. I wouldn't be surprised if Clay does end up in the media, just because he won't be doing it in a conventional kind of way. But he, you know, he'll mm. do something something in the sports entertainment space. Yeah, there was a there was a really interesting. Um, oh, like. <laughs> You know, my feelings about college sport get worse and worse every year. But uh, about him and his college career and the fact that, you know, the, the friends that he seemed to have made in, in you know, in that college space, he genuinely still regards his friends and looks after and, and you know, uh, he's sort of that, that model of I've made my friends, I don't need any new ones sort of thing. <laughs> um, so you're saying he's somebody over the age of 35? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you're stuck with the ones you, you made then. You're not making any new ones. I'll just be. It'd be funny if he like decided to go and be a coach or something after his career. It'd be. It'll be really interesting to see what he does. I just don't. I don't. I don't see I that. Know, I think I just, he might have a bit of that kind of. I can't explain how to do stuff. You know, in in, yeah, in my, not quite to a Wally Lewis or Maradona kind of level, but that kind of model whereby it's mm. like no, you just you just go to the right space and you throw the ball in the hoop. The end. Yeah, I can't. I can't see him on NBA today. Put it that way. Oh, he could be the guy at the end of the bench. He, you know, throws the silly ideas up there. I mean, they they always usually have one of those because yeah. they're trying to make television every day. He, the the funny thing is, he might be he might be the next Barkley, right? The guy that just doesn't give, you know, walks to his own beat and and says what he thinks rather than sort of being a facsimile of the next person of the next person of the next person. I just had a sudden memory of him being the sideline reporter for a during his long injury layoff. He I think he he actually had a couple of games as the sideline reporter slash commentator for the uh the Warriors home broadcast. So it's certainly, certainly something he's dabbled in. It might be because he doesn't really particularly have an interest in it, so he just thought he'd do it in a casual kind of way. But um you know he he was trialing his friends and stuff. I know Lowe did a, um, you know, sit down and break down video thing with him once and said that it was just, you know, just one of those experiences that was 
amazing. You know, the, the fact that, like, the way he was thinking about moving and thinking about all the different moving parts on the court where it, he is thinking about it but he makes it look like he's not thinking about it sort of thing because he looks like such an instinctive player. Like, he doesn't look like that sort of break everything down. You know, Draymond yeah. looks like a player that just breaks everything down constantly. Yeah. You know, that that seems to be the style that he plays and Clay just looks like it just all comes naturally to him. Yeah. And it was- What do you think well, about no, it? No, actually, he works at it really hard. Well, all that might mean he does have more of a knack for if, if you're explaining it to people because I always felt that he was a very- he was sort of a touch player. He, he you know, had a yeah. almost like a subconscious understanding of space and that's really what, you know, what great basketballers and what great- well, particularly great- Shooters have, and also what great um, football players have, is an understanding of space. Mm. It, it feels like there's a you know that the storm clouds are gathering, and there's a few teams that don't necessarily want to go into training camp with a whole heap of unresolved issues. Yeah, and we know what those teams are uh, Miami, Port- Portland, well, <laughs> Philadelphia, Portland, but even even the Raptors. The Ra- there's so much chatter about the Raptors, and it's sort of like they need to decide. Which way they're going to jump? Yeah. Um, well, there's, and, they, and again, they, look, they've most recently in the last week been brought up as a potential other team that Portland might want to do a deal with. Now, if if Dame has been as strident as he's allowed to be without getting fined about saying I'm only going to Miami, you, t- you send me somewhere else. I'm just going to say, yep, that's nice. Now send me to Miami. Um, it's yeah. it, it does feel a bit like what we were talking about earlier. We've got a lot of months of content to fill on a lot of NBA shows, and we've still got to keep talking. You know, it's like Giannis well, is doing everyone the biggest favor possible by constantly banging on yeah. and on about how you know he's basically subtweeting the new Bucks ownership in all caps. But unfortunately, it's a strong chance that Jimmy Haslam can't actually read because he's a fucking moron. But but that's it. Like Lo sort of threw out the chaos theory of who, who's the most. Like, you sort of say, okay, Miami's the most stable team in the East, right, because of the institution. But they're pretty old and now really thin. You know, they sort of lost their their second – all their second-tier players just basically took the money and ran, which is fair enough. Like, like a retired supermodel, very old and very thin. Yeah. And so, okay, so Miami – would you think Miami's going to be awesome for the next four years? That They might have another one more great year in them. The Bucks look like they're self-destructing from the front office down. <laughs> Philly are just a disaster. Um, the Celtics are relying on the ankles of a Latvian dude that has had one season where he can stay on the court. Uh, I, like, there's no, there's no sight. Like I was thinking about our our wins pool, and I'm like, I might just like put five names into a hat, you know, for the first two picks and pull one out because I reckon that's a good as way of choosing. Which team's going to be good in the East as any? Well, yeah, and like, and I think one of the points that, that was coming up in that in that low podcast was that if you were a team that's kind of there or thereabouts in the East, you this might be a really good year to push a whole lot of chips into a table yeah, and trade for down. trade for a dame or you know whatever you're going to yeah. going to do because you know if a lot of your rivals at the top of the East are going to be not quite at their best, this might be the time to leap before. You know, everybody reloads for the future. Yeah, and Toronto are a side that have shown that they're willing to take that one year gamble. Yep. Right? Let's roll the let's roll the dice this year. Load up, and you know, if we we suck for the next four years, but we win a chip, who cares? Now, Dame's probably not quite Kawhi. Well, Dame's also not on a, is, not on the a- East. Is it? 
I was going to say Dave's also not on an expiring, and that was kind of why, because it was clearly just a one-year deal, and then everyone goes their separate ways. Whereas with Dave, he still has plenty of years on that contract, so it's not like unless they can make him the 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 players like you come here, play for the year, and then we'll look at it at the end end of this this summer, and if if we can't prove to you that this is a place where you'd want to be, then fucking you know you'll go with our fucking good wishes, but. I think that would be that's yeah. the one thing that makes it different from the Kawhi thing. But the, they can show that as an example. It's like, look what happened. We got a guy who didn't really want to be here. We built the place around him. He now he never has to buy a drink in the nation of Canada again in his entire life. And there is a pathway to a chip. Yeah, that that's that's the the, the only thing with Toronto that sort of give, gives me pause is I, I just feel like they. They're the ones that could roll the dice, and it just feels like they've had a couple of years of being super conservative, right? You know, not not blowing it up and yeah. not really going all in. It almost almost felt like um, Masai was losing his fastball. You know, you were never really quite sure what he was, and you know, new coach and various other. It, yeah, it, it's a little bit odd. It's a little bit odd with the way that they've been going. It's never quite sure what they're, you know, how they see themselves. And whether they should have, I mean, a little bit like a, a worse version of what Portland did. They were never quite committed enough to either blow it up or reload and have another crack and kind of got stuck in the middle. Yeah. Well, that that's really the only NBA storylines I can think of. Well, Is the, there anything else that I mean, sort of know what's going on? I think they need, I'd, like, I'd like to be spared all further discussion about how the Rockets really need to try and get something for Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kev- like, Kevin Porter Jr. Is, is, go- is, is going to probably go all the way for a fair amount of time for some pretty heinous domestic violence stuff. And it's like, well, the Rockets really need to trade him so they can get something back. I'm like, fuck the Rockets. They knew what calibre of fuck with this guy was when they gave him the goddamn contract. I mean, he was he was yeah. a known it's, it's problem. A, Boy, I fucking beware. It, it's a little bit like people talking about how the Hornets are going to have a bounce back year because a certain player is back on the team, and it's like, uh, do you want to mention why he hasn't been on the team every time you mention his name? I, I don't, I don't even like talking. Well, this about is the it. same situation as with as with um, the NFL has this problem right now with. Um Deshaun Watson, the um, Cleveland Browns quarterback. Browns. Yeah, who was, when he was at the Texans, had like a very large number of, of, of sexual misconduct charges brought against him civilly by a massage therapist who he basically sleezed onto and obligated to um, provide happy endings. And um, he's, he's basically just skated on the whole thing. He's got away with it, got the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. And uh, but on the plus side, he's playing like absolute shit. And that's actually giving, yeah. as um, many times discussed on Pablo Torres' new show this week, it's like this is kind of giving the NFL media a pass because we they should be challenging this the way that Cleveland conducted themselves and obviously the way – Watson conducted themselves. They should be keep bringing up the fact that this guy's a scumbag and shouldn't get to win. But the fact that he's playing like ass means that he's kind of he as a storyline he can kind of be shunted away and he, he's not visible and he's, he's not a concern. A bit like that with 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 Miles Bridges in Charlotte and a bit like that with Kevin Porter Jr. in in Houston. Well, like um, uh, I can't remember a handle Claire MPS or something on on Twitter, who's a, a Guardian NBA writer, pointed out players and were an very indie pop star as well. Yeah, Claire Balloon. Players were very very quick to jump on the um, the NBA is not a world champion debate, and were noticeably so. You know that was more important to them than the fact that a dude that's beating his wife is 
now free to play, you know. Maybe your priorities need a little bit of looking at. Yeah, I think looking for male sportsmen, professional sportsmen who are earning millions of dollars for any kind of moral guidance is probably a fool's errand. I'm I'm reminded of how dismally weak the Spanish men's football team were in trying to support the Spanish women's footballers in in the continuing saga of the Spanish FA being just the absolute fucking worst, although that's finally been resolved to date, I think. I think all but two of the, the holdouts have come back to the squad and they've, they've come to some kind of conclusion to, to fix that out. But Now, that that's because the coach, is, the coach and the president have gone. Have right gone. Though. But the coach was basically the coach's 2IC, who's a woman, but was also the coach's 2IC. It has taken over. So, and, and they named the squad without actually asking any of the people who are on strike whether they were going to come back. And they're like, we're not going to play for you. And the thing is that if they refuse a call-up, then they then they can be banned from club football, and that was what they, it almost felt like the federation was trying to fucking corner yeah, them. That's straight straight out black. Yeah, wow. pretty much. Yeah. So they, but that it has been resolved in the. I think that they sat down and had a, a fucking a summit and cracked some heads together. So that that seems to be somewhere along the lines. But it's like l- looking for entitled rich young men who have had smoke blown up their ass their entire lives, expecting them to actually have any fucking moral fibre to them, it seems to be a, a complete waste of time, sadly. And that's not to excuse their behaviour. It's just that's just that just seems to be the way of the world. Um, I am a little bit surprised, Doc, that you're talking to me this week considering there's two Brisbane sides in a, in, grand fi- in grand finals. It's like your worst nightmare, well, isn't no, it? No, I'll have to pour a bit out because there was, for a while there, the troll dream of a Brisbane GWS grand final was there, and that would have been the most glorious fucking one day in September imaginable. <laughs> but, but just because Melbourne so badly wanted its fucking Carlton Collingwood grand final. And you get halfway through there. Oh, yeah, like- it, but the, the Brisbane Lions against Collingwood, even if you're not a Brisbane Lions supporter- uh, not that, not that hard to support. I mean, right? it's pretty easy to support against Collingwood. Yeah, and the the home city will just pivot to it being Fitzroy against Collingwood anyway. So you know, the yeah. VFL always wins. The rest of us are just there for scenery. Um, and and Brisbane, Brisbane and Penrith proved over the weekend just how much head and shoulders above the rest of the comp they were because. Uh, they um, absolutely dealt to to Melbourne and and the Wars, unfortunately, and the Wars had beaten the shit out of uh, Newcastle the week before as well. So this this is the grand final that that the rugby league deserves because it's it's definitely the two best teams in the comp. But it's been interesting to be in New Zealand in a while. There's a rugby world cup going on, and nobody is talking about the rugby world cup except for the fact that the New Zealand team sucks. And it's just been was 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 was. Now that that'll obviously change now that the was uh, are off on a mad Monday. But it's it's an interesting sort of social and historical moment for New Zealand. Um, although Mad Monday's not what it was, you, you know, it's all sort of bags and TikTok now instead of good old clean fun of you know pissing in your own mouth at the urinal and stuff like that, ending up in a gutter outside Glee Police Station. I know to remember your name. Yeah. Actually, the um, the Wallabies and the All Blacks are not really disproving our theory about the death of sort of Southern Hemisphere rugby, except for the fact that the Fijian draw were certainly a good investment for Fijian rugby, and if they might not have been for uh, for Super <laughs> Rugby, given that they 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 kind of underpinned Fiji beating Australia. Yeah, that's that, that's it. Like that reminds me a little bit of you know why. <sighs> 
organisations like Australian Touch are very reluctant to sort of pitch in and help the neighbours yeah. sort of thing because it's like, well, you know, if we give them the platform to get good, they might actually get good and we might become irrelevant. Um, but just rugby just looks like it's just absolutely, you know, it, it never felt like it, it really wanted to be professional in Australia. It yeah. still feels like it's got you know, this sick, well, not sickness, but this sort of cultural strain running through it that they just cannot get out of the way of. Well, it's because um, they wanted it on their own terms. They wanted it, you know, professional, but but not in a way that meant it. it you had to let the paws in. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it, it's sort of coming home to roost. Like, you know, even if they get bounced and don't make the quarterfinals, ooh, is that... Like, I just can't see that causing a revolution. I can't suddenly see, you know, uh, Yarraville State School getting recruited by the by the QRL to have a rugby union program. No. Um, no. And in, and in New Zealand, they're expecting this team to lose because the the coach is a lame duck and is getting replaced next year anyway. So it's kind of like, well, this is the this is clearly the end of this cycle because oh, so Ian Foster's replacement so has already been lined up. It's Scott Robinson, the um the, Canterbury the coach, Crusaders coach, yeah. Right. So I thought that had happened pre-World Cup. That had been announced, but Foster st- is still playing out his term. So it's, it's really bizarre. Right. Because it's because they didn't want to pay him out or they didn't want to have the disruption or whatever. Uh, so it is it is just it's just fucking lame duck. That's that's not good. No, it's 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 surprisingly bad. From I mean, New Zealand rugby is kind of not the incredibly well organised organisation it used to be. They've basically sold a percentage of their ongoing earnings onto some US venture capitalist so they can expand their markets. A little bit like Barcelona did when they were trying to get out of all their financial shit. Um, a bit of a clown show, really. Have you said that? I mean, Australian and New Zealand cricket is kind of mirroring Australia and New Zealand rugby in terms of going into a World Cup playing like absolute ass. Uh, the Black Caps got towed by uh, England in some sort of pre-World Cup warm-up games, and Australia f- fucking went over to South Africa and, and just got smacked to all parts. I mean, Mick Lewis is going to be buying Adam Zamper a beer after after one of those. Maybe not a beer, maybe like a low-carb passion fruit alcoholic seltzer or something. After he, he duplicated his infamous none for 113 off 10 overs uh, in one of the one of the one days yeah. they played. Mick, um, Mick Lewis and Adam Zamper, you know, it's amazing to think that the Australian cricket team have had Mick Lewis and Adam Zamper, you know, would be the, the two most divergent individuals you could think of to have, to have worn that, uh, baggy, that baggy gold, I suppose it is. The only thing with the Australian cricket side is that they have this habit of looking absolute dog shit just before World Cups. Like there was that T Twenty World Cup they won in the UAE, yeah. That like the last one of Lang- the, the last one of Langer's reign, which everyone was horrified with because they thought it might extend his yes. coaching career, but turned out it didn't. No. Um. Um. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It. Uh, 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 yes, they looked absolute ass, and I'm just like, I just don't trust that form line. I just don't know what it matters, um, what it means. These games don't matter yet. Yeah, like, uh, like I wouldn't be surprised if they go over and, and suck, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, they're playing India in the finals. So. And it's in India. I mean, playing in South Africa and playing in the UK is not that informative. No, and we not don't know what same. kind of decks they're going to put down. We just got no feel for it at all. I think Australia are playing India uh, now, yesterday, last night. I think they yeah. played a game. I, I didn't catch the results. So. 
um, that shows how much I care. Hey, I, I wanted to um, mention one weird thing about the AFL because, like, you know, I haven't followed the AFL for ages, but I was lo- sort of like uh, um, someone said they were going to a, you know, pre-finals thing and I was like, oh, which I wonder which team they're going to. Is, is this the Lions still in the finals? It turns out that they are. So I was having a look at the scores and AFL is not the same game when I used to watch. There's like one of those finals was like 56 to 58. Yeah, in a prelim final that that used to when I was watching AFL that was a half time score. Yeah, what the fuck is going it, on? It never seemed to that seemed to get like that during COVID when they played the shorter quarters. Um, I thought it was right. My very very limited understanding is that is that there's that six 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 rule to prevent flooding, which means that you've got to have a set number uh, of players. It's a bit like netball; you've got a set number of players in each zone of the field. But I'm not. I certainly haven't looked into why that, you know, why that would limit scoring. Presumably, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I was like, what, what is, and so I watched the highlights of the, the Carlton-Brisbane um, game, and it's like the game doesn't look, like, noticeably different, you know. It, it still looks pretty similar. Yeah, but you're watching highlights. It was. When, when people score goals, it still looks like that. Yeah, so maybe I'm missing all the, all the scrappy stuff, right? I suspect it, it's a lot more mud, mud in midfield and, and yeah. disputed possessions. And, yeah, this would be the sort of thing you'd need to, like, the guys who write that fairly analytical ABC Grandstand blog, um, Cody and Arwan, they'd probably have some interesting stuff about that. Yeah. Somewhere in their back catalogue. Mm. It's sort of been a week of me binging sports on highlights. I've been watching Premier League highlights. Mm. I've been watching NFL highlights. I've been watching Rugby League highlights. I've been watching AFL highlights. Uh, I may have let my KO subscription lapse. So yeah, um, why not? um, Are you going to get a um, you going to get a league pass, or are you going to see how you go with it? Ah, for the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably wait and see what. Like I'll either get that or KO. Yeah. Like the, the good thing about League Pass now is, you, like you said, there's you can get that package where you, you you know you watch how many games was it? I don't know because there's a I certain th- amount of games I and you can just they, pick and choose. I thought they discontinued that because I couldn't find that as an option. But my rate for oh, last right. year was lower, so I think they've grandfathered me in on some kind of reduced something. Yeah, you know, they would said like, well, we've, we've discontinued this. We'll just keep you on it, like. You know, half the normal rate or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll see what it is. And um, I'm my prescription. My prescription. My subscription is currently on pause because that's one good thing about it. You can just put it on pause for a couple of months during the off season, and then then it restarts. You know, in October when the league starts mm. again. Well, there's there's a fascinating sort of um, like one of the things they they reckon streaming and sports streaming services are going to start doing is the you know char- charge you for a year. You know, you got to pay the whole lot. So that you can't dip in and out yeah, whenever you want. A lot of them do that. A lot of the because I, I subscribe to like F- Formula One TV and GCN, and in the past of of the Premier League, and I'd be in sports as well. I like that, and they give you a much cheaper deal. Like the, the, it's usually price of nine months or, or ten months for the full year. So you, if you know you're going to be a, a full football season, you know you're not going to suddenly stop watching in. March, you're going to watch it through to the end of the season, so mm. so it makes sense. Hey, there was one other little NBA wrinkle I wanted to mention, which is um, <laughs> like the the wheel the wheel turns, and all of a sudden something that's good is bad, and something that's bad is good. And I was thinking about the Pelicans' picks that they got, um, you, you know, when they sort of revamped their team, 
and everyone was like, oh, those LA picks, they're going to be awesome, right? You know, LA's AD is going to get injured and LeBron's getting old and meanwhile they've, you know, won a title and, and made the Western Conference Finals. And it's, and it's like, oh, man, those picks you got for Drew Holiday, they're worthless, you know. <laughs> Milwaukee are going to be good forever. And all of a sudden, like right now, you could probably trade those picks. Like now's probably the best time to trade those Milwaukee picks, right? Because mm, they the theoretically value, have yeah. really high value. So, like they're in this they're in this nebulous place of, well, they could be shit, you know. Giannis might sign an extension or – Giannis might just walk out the door and then they're fucked I, and those picks could be really valuable. Like, I think, that, like, I think so, those so picks will be do, worth you- more and more because I don't, I don't think there's going to be resolution to the Giannis thing for a while. And they, no, they're going to get he might, older. He might do the one plus one thing like LeBron. Well, he's not going to sign an extension because he doesn't have to right now. And it economically makes more sense if he was going to sign one to sign one the year after because uh, he can – so it's – this is going to drift on for a bit longer and it will make that situation look, you know, potentially grimmer um, for the Bucks. Mm. So I think there will be a moment where those Bucks picks look worse uh, in terms of, or in terms yep. of they will, they will potentially be worth more to whoever the holder is. And of course, as, as we've yep. seen many times, picks are worth more as a pick than they are as the prospect that you, tra- that you actually um, draft. Yeah. Because people, you know, there's always that kind of – it's a bit like, you know, as, as soon as you buy a car, it, it loses like a quarter of its value driving it off the, off the lot. Yeah. Uh, all right, Doc. So you're, uh, you're going through for Collingwood and Penrith, I, I'm guessing, next week? Uh, I'm probably not going for Collingwood. I just want to see football win on the day. That's right. And by which I mean, because next week neither you nor I are going to be around, so I'm, I'm probably going to be. No, I'm probably going to be in, in a bunch of tiny pubs in Central Otago, just touring around, having a look and having a pint. So, and I'll, and I'll probably be broken, lying on a beanbag in front of a big screen, you know, not being able to focus on the screen at all. So, having a, we'll see how you're that on goes. a bender. Yeah. All right, Doc, should we come back and talk some music, music, music? We should do that. Folks, we're off next week because, as, as I said at the top of the show, um, because we're old, we're exempt from the, the rest policy. So we, we, we're resting on back-to-backs during the um, the off-season, but uh, pretty soon we'll be back to our regular schedule. Uh, but uh, for now, uh, we'll catch you again in the near to the semi-distant future. I was Doc and he was Bezo. We'll catch you again in two weeks. See you, Doc. Gary has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know.